Can't sleep? Don't want to sleep? Afraid to sleep? Are the windows closed? Are your doors locked? Did you check your closet? And under your bed? Maybe you should keep a light on in the hallway, just in case. Now settle in. Make yourself comfortable. Lay back. Close your eyes. And let me tell you a story. There are people among us who believe in curses, that someone can actually bring misfortune on others through various means, one of the most popular being the evil eye. Some say you're born with it, that it's a curse unto itself. Others claim it's more of an acquired ability. Either way, you don't want to be the one on the receiving end of a look from an evil eye. I spy with my evil eye. All eyes swung toward the man who entered the dimly lit restaurant. It was the middle of the day, and the place wasn't due to open for dinner for another three hours. The few men scattered among the tables and booths at the back near the kitchen were not there to eat, but to await the counsel and orders of my boss, Dmitri Popov. I was one of the very few men present who wasn't Russian, which was unusual for the Bratva, the Russian mob. But Popov used talent where he saw it no matter what the ethnicity of the person who displayed it. My talent was for reading people, specifically assessing threats. I had a knack for knowing when someone had malicious intent. I could sense if someone in my field of view was harboring malice. It was my job to determine if anyone near Dmitri Popov was in immediate danger. There was nothing about this man that raised any red flags. He seemed harmless. I wasn't psychic or anything like that. I was a student of body language and micro-expressions. I was actually a psychology major in college before discovering I could employ my talents in the security world. I quickly gained a reputation for being especially good at what I did, and once my talent came to the attention of Popov, he made me an offer I couldn't refuse. The money was substantial, more than I could make in even the top echelons of my field, and for the most part I was insulated from the illegal activities of Popov's organization. But I wasn't naive. I knew my boss was a criminal. Popov sat at the table closest to the kitchen door. His personal bodyguard stood on either side of the egress, while he hunched over a plate of caviar-laden pieces of buttered bread. After noticing the stranger's entrance along with everyone else, he looked my way. I nodded, then took another look at the man who sat down at a table for two and folded his hands in front of him expectantly. There was something unusual about him. He exuded an inordinate amount of confidence, but not the typical edginess you saw in someone who was carrying a weapon or intended to cause violence. As I studied him closer, his gaze wandered the room, inspecting the intense faces of the men staring back at him, until it fell upon me. He smiled when he saw me, then touched a finger to the side of his nose and winked. The gesture was packed with nuance and conflicting signals. It was familiar and friendly, while at the same time somehow intimidating and aggressive. Then his eyes zeroed in on Popov. I turned to my boss and shook my head from side to side slowly, barely perceptible, indicating that I didn't think he was an immediate threat. The Russian sat back, wiped his mouth with a cloth napkin, 
then raised two fingers and made a subtle gesture that caused his bodyguards to move into action. The man kept his eyes on Popov as the burly man approached him. When they were standing in front of him, he finally acknowledged their existence. Can you uh, take my order? I'd like to start with a white Russian, he said to one bodyguard, and he turned to the other. How's the borscht today? The man's question was answered by a punch to the face that caused him to fall backwards and crash to the floor. Okay, uh, can I get a couple Poroshki to go instead? The bodyguards picked the man up off the floor and stood him up. Blood flowed from his nose in a stream that diverted to the corner of his mouth before dripping off his chin. Another punch landed square on his solar plexus, causing him to double over, then crumple to the ground. One bodyguard drew a gun from inside his pocket, pointed it at the man, then glanced back at Popov. The Russian held up a hand, giving the stranger a reprieve from an immediate execution. Then he nodded toward the kitchen door, and the other bodyguard picked up the man from the ground and roughly searched him. He had no weapons, no phone, no wallet. You know, this is going to affect my Yelp review, the man said. The remark earned him a backhanded blow to the face that caused a spray of blood to speckle the tablecloth. The bodyguards grabbed the stranger by his arms and walked him toward the kitchen door. Popov shoved one last piece of bread topped with fish eggs into his mouth, then pointed at me. I got up from my booth and followed the bodyguards through the kitchen and to a set of narrow stairs near the back door. They escorted him down a dimly lit corridor and through a steel door. Beyond it was a cold storage room. Slabs of meat hung from hooks and boxes of produce lined the walls. Off to one side was a table with four chairs around it. Condensation dripped onto the concrete floor from various points on the metal ceiling. One bodyguard grabbed a wooden chair and sat the man in it at the center of the room. They used a roll of duct tape to bind his hands to the arms of the chair, taped his torso to the chair's back and his legs to the chair's legs. I sat on one of the remaining chairs at the table. Once he was secure, Popov entered. The bodyguard stood on either side of the bound man, waiting. Popov nodded at the guards, who then continued their savage beating of him. One of them punched him in the face, tearing open the skin above his left eyebrow. The man smiled. The other reached out and grabbed the man's head with both hands, then raised a knee into his jaw. The stranger's eye stared blankly for a moment as he dipped into unconsciousness. Fists banged into the man's face until he was bleeding from multiple cuts, as well as his nose and mouth. His features started swelling until he looked like a mushed-up clay model of his former self. Popoff raised a hand, and the bodyguards retreated. Wait outside, he commanded. The two men exited the basement room, closing the door behind them with a metallic clang, leaving me and our boss alone with the man. Popoff approached him. Who are you? he asked. The man laughed. <laughs> Can I get that drink now? The big Russian punched him in the stomach. Who are you? He asked again, while the man straightened himself. Who I am is not important, the man replied. It is to me. It shouldn't be. The question that should concern you is who he is, he said, glancing over at me. I know who he is. And you should also be asking yourself why I walked into your restaurant. Why did I permit your goons to capture me? Why did I want you to bring me here? You wanted me to bring you here? Precisely. It seems to me you didn't have much of a choice. Actually, I've got you right where I want you, the prisoner said, smiling. 
Popov struck the man in the face. Bloody saliva sprayed across the floor, reaching the tips of my otherwise immaculate shoes. Did you want me to do that, too? The man smiled again, amused. His nose was broken and bent to one side. His teeth were red with blood. Other colors appeared in the various bruises that covered his face, transforming it into something resembling a sculpture made from spoiled meat. He lifted his head so he could view his assailant. No, I would have preferred avoiding having my face pummeled. If you don't want me to hit you again, answer my questions, Popoff suggested. Ask me the right question and I will. Popoff took a step back. He looked at me and I shrugged. I'm kind of curious as to know why he's so cocky, I said. The Russian looked at the man taped to the chair thoughtfully. So am I. That is the right question, the man said. You see, what I know that neither of you two gentlemen is aware of is I have a very unusual talent. Okay, I'll play your game, for now. Popov walked over and grabbed another chair, then sat down facing his prisoner. What is your unusual talent? It's related to my vocation. And what is that? I'm a contract killer. Popoff laughed. <laughs> you? You're a hitman? Such a negative term, don't you think? You expect me to believe that you kill people for a living? Popov asked. Well, someone pays me to make someone dead, and I make sure that happens. But it's not necessarily me who does the killing. The Russian chuckled. <laughs> You're just a middleman. I wouldn't put it quite that way. It's more than just subcontracting to work to someone else. I have to find the right people who are in the right place to complete the job. I like to think of it more like human resources. Human resources. I like that. I have a human resources department, too. I'm afraid when I'm done with you, you're going to meet them. Oh, I doubt that, the man said confidently. Popoff laughed again. <laughs> I wish everyone I brought into this room made me laugh the way you do. It's a nice change. Usually there's a lot of screaming and begging. But you, you don't seem to be afraid of me. Do you not feel pain? Oh, yes, I most certainly feel the pain. It's quite exquisite. I imagine I may need some serious medical attention as well as a visit to my dentist after I'm done here. The only person you'll be seeing after this is the Undertaker. You still haven't explained what your unusual talent is, I said, curious about the man's earlier statement. Popoff shot me a warning glance, but I could tell he was as intrigued by the strange man taped to the chair as I was. Have you ever heard of the evil eye? the man asked. The Russian grinned. My grandmother claimed she had an evil eye, that she could curse people with it. Is that what you're going to do? Curse me to death? Not quite. My evil eye works in what I believe is a unique manner. You don't say. It's quite a remarkable story. Do you want to hear it? Popoff sat back in his chair and crossed his arms. Sure, why not? You're not going anywhere. The man laughed. <laughs> no, I guess I'm not. Well, I guess it all started when I was a boy. My grandmother had a cat and a dog that were best friends, which was very confusing to me because all the cartoons informed me that cats and dogs were mortal enemies and engaged in battle whenever they were near each other. That wasn't the case for Milo and Foggy. Milo was the cat, an old fat Persian, and Foggy was the dog, a mutt that was at least part terrier. They were the best of friends, 
and would take naps together in the sunbeams poking through my grandmother's windows. I asked Grandma why they didn't fight, and she told me that cats and dogs got along if they grew up together. Of course, that went against my experience as well. I grew up with my brother, and we fought all the time. One day, I was watching TV as Milo and Foggy were curled up next to each other on the living room floor. I looked at the two animals, out of boredom or curiosity or both. I closed one eye, then the other, alternating looking at Foggy with my left eye and Milo with my right, and began murmuring, I spy with my little eye, Foggy. Then, switching eyes, I spy with my little eye, Milo. And when I did so, the animals roused from their slumber and regarded each other suspiciously. Milo hissed at Foggy, something I'd never seen him do before, then took a swipe at the dog with his claw, wreaking scratches over his nose. Foggy howled in pain and Milo screeched, swiping at the poor old dog who was bewildered as to why his friend had suddenly turned on him. My grandmother came into the room and shooed Milo away. What happened? she asked me. I shrugged, not quite understanding it myself. I didn't think anything of it, but then a few months later I was at school, out on the playground during recess. I saw two boys sitting in the sandbox playing together. They were best friends. A little odd, but harmless. I looked at one through my left eye and said, I spy with my little eye, Randy. Then I squeezed my left eye shut and looked at the other boy with my right one. I spy with my little eye, Eric. Well, you can imagine what happened next. Popoff raised an eyebrow. Is this how you kill people? You bore them to death with your silly stories? Well, I haven't gotten to the exciting part. You see, Randy grabbed the toy he was playing with, a metal dump truck, then stood up and bashed Eric over the head with it. I mean, he smashed it into that poor kid's skull over and over. Did he kill him? I asked. Not for lack of trying. A teacher saw what was happening and pulled Randy away before he could finish the job. And you're telling us it was because you gave him the evil eye? Popoff asked skeptically. Not exactly. You see, with one eye, I pick out the victim, and with the other, I select the perpetrator. You have two evil eyes. Yes. It's turned out to be quite useful. Well, not that useful. Here you are, taped to a chair. Right, agreed the man. In a room alone with Dmitri Popoff, and Alexander Robertson. Popoff and I exchanged a look. Who? Alexander Robertson, the man repeated, looking over at me. Popoff laughed. Then I joined him. My name is not Alexander Robertson, I said. Yes, it is, the man insisted. Trust me, I've been researching this job for months. I know everyone you come into contact with. That is Alexander Robertson, he said, nodding toward me. Popoff leaned forward. You have been given bad information, my friend. I've known this man for years. His name is not Alexander Robertson. The man strained to lean forward, but only managed to tilt his head a bit. Yes, it is. I'm afraid you've been misled. I don't get misled, Popoff insisted. Except this time. Alexander Robertson has been pulling one over on you for a long time. The Russian sat back and turned his head toward me. Is he telling me the truth? He asked. I shook my head. You know who I am, I said to Popoff. Popoff nodded. Yes, I do. Why don't you tell our friend here what your name is, really? I glanced over at the man who regarded me challengingly. Michael Hornsby. Are you sure? 
Yes, absolutely. My name is and always has been Michael Hornsby. The man smiled. Thank you. That's all I needed. The last piece to the puzzle. Your name. I'm bored, Popoff said, rising from the chair. Michael, kill him. Me? I said. I was not a killer. I was just an advisor. Sure, I had a gun, but I'd never fired it. I carried it because Dimitri insisted everyone who worked for him did so. Yes, you kill him. I opened my mouth to protest, but knew it was pointless. I wasn't going to argue my way out of a direct order from Dmitri Popov. I pulled the Glock out of its holster under my left arm and shakily aimed it at the man taped to the chair. For the second time, he winked at me. Popov saw the gesture. He glanced over at me. Do you know this man? No, of course not. I spy with my evil eye, said the man, clearly and purposefully. We both looked over at him. He was staring at Popov with his right eye squeezed shut. Dmitri Popov. Dmitri laughed, apparently amused. Then the man closed his left eye and opened the right, gazing straight at me, and said, I spy with my evil eye, Michael Hornsby. I felt something, like a switch was flipped in my brain. I was no longer in control of myself. I was aware of what I was doing, but I couldn't stop myself or even say anything. I swung the gun away from the man staring at me with that piercing eye and aimed it at Dmitri. What are you doing? The Russian asked. Shoot him. But when I pulled the trigger, the bullets slammed into Popov. He tried to get up out of the chair to charge me, but I kept on firing until he crashed to the floor in a growing pool of his own blood. The bodyguards burst into the room. Michael, what are their names? Ivan and Boris, I said without hesitation. I spy with my evil eye, the man said as the two men drew their guns, his left eye focused on the duo. Ivan and Boris. Then he looked at me with his right eye. I spy with my evil eye, Michael Hornsby. I turned toward Ivan and Boris and shot each of them in the face before they had a chance to realize what was going on. The man started rocking in his chair. He leaned forward, then fell back. The chair collapsed, shattering under his weight. Splinters of wood sliced through enough of the tape that he was able to rip one hand free of his bonds. He pulled out a razor blade from a compartment in the heel of his shoe and cut the rest of himself free. I was still powerless to move or speak of my own volition, but I could follow him with my eyes. He struggled to get up. Every movement seemed to cause him pain, but he rose to his feet, clutching his side where there were likely broken ribs. Thank you, Michael. I usually don't have to go to so much trouble to find out someone's name, but you were a mystery. I didn't see any other option, and this was an especially lucrative contract. He started walking gingerly toward the exit. In case you're wondering, I actually just need your name. I don't need to say the whole, I spy with my evil eye thing. I just think it adds flair. The man reached the door. Oh, and the effects should wear off in a few minutes. But I'd be surprised if you lasted that long. Goodbye, Michael Hornsby he said with a wink of his evil eye. I heard his footsteps go up the stairs, and the back door to the restaurant open and close. A moment later, a bunch of Popov's men came racing down the steps. They saw Ivan and Boris with gaping holes in their heads, and Popov lying on the floor, his chest blown to bits. Then they saw me, with a smoking gun in my hand. The stranger was right. I didn't last long at all. 
Thank you for listening to I Spy With My Evil Eye, written especially for the Bedtime Stories for Insomniac's Fiction podcast by Rich Hosek. Please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast app, rate us on Apple, Spotify, and Audible, and share these stories with anyone who enjoys audiobooks. By the way, my latest novel, Afterlife, A Rainy Day Investigation, is available now on Amazon and Audible. You can listen to the first book in this paranormal mystery series, Near Death, on this very podcast for free. Stop by bedtimestories.studio and sign up for our email list to be notified of new episodes and exclusive offers, and get a free bookmark. You can visit richosic.com to learn more about the host of Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs. Thanks again, and all the very best.